getting to know the Holy Spirit. Um, and we've learned a lot, uh, just very foundational truths about the Holy Spirit. That, that, that God put His Spirit inside of us. Um, and that, 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 that there's a real purpose for it. Jesus calls Him the Helper, but He didn't come to help you um, be the best version of what you want. He came to help you live for God. Right, and that's what he's aiding in. Like sometimes we want the Holy Spirit to like, um, hey, Holy Spirit, help this traffic light switch to green so I can get to where I'm going faster. And it's like, well, that's really not what he's here to help us with. He's really helped to help you get to be uh, what God originally intended for you to be and how you're supposed to live. And so, so he's put his spirit in our hearts because transformation doesn't happen outside in. It happens inside out. That the Spirit's in us forever. Like I'm just... The Holy Spirit's one of the key reasons that I just believe that when a person is truly saved, they're forever saved. Um, I think there's a lot of false professions out there where people do religious things, um, but that's, that's different than a real heart transformation. And, and, uh, but when the Holy Spirit's there, it makes a real difference. Like I remember when my, my son Salem, you know, he grew up in, the, in our home, Christian home, and, um, but we could see this young man, and we're like, this kid needs Jesus. He just... <laughs> You know, and then finally he came about and he says, you know, he, you know, he was, he was talking about like, like, yeah, he now was a believer and that he had trusted Jesus. And we're like, okay, let's watch this, you know, like, because he grew up in a Christian home, you know, like, you want to be, you know, because it, it's, he's just around it all the time, but, but you could see a change in him. And it was the heart change that only the Holy Spirit brings about. And I can see it. Now I see my little daughter, Sadie, she's cute as can be, but that little girl's a sinner and she needs Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Don't let the cute make you think that she's, you know, she's a child of God yet. But we're praying for that. Um, and, you know, and that's something else. Like, nobody's just born into faith. You can be born into a family of faith, but it has to become personal for everyone. So, I want us to learn a little bit. Let's do a little bit of practicality. Learning to listen and hear the Holy Spirit as He prompts you from the inside. And th- we got this fascinating passage that I want to begin with. Acts chapter 16 Verses 6 through 10. Check this out. This is fascinating. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night, A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him, saying, Come over here to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. You know, as we continue to focus on the Holy Spirit, this passage is absolutely fascinating. I mean, let me set the situation up for you. The Apostle Paul has just set out on his second missionary journey. Earlier, he and a man named Barnabas had taken the gospel of Jesus into places that had never heard the gospel before. And God did great things with these two missionaries. I mean, people were saved, miracles were done, churches were planted. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, Paul and Barnabas, they were successful in carrying out the great commission that Jesus gave, where he says, go into all the world and make disciples. That's what they were doing. They were going into places that had not heard, and they were making disciples, bringing the gospel, and people were being saved. They understood that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son and that whosoever would believe would not perish but have everlasting life. 
They knew that God loved everybody, regardless of their heritage, regardless of their upbringing or their past mistakes, that God sent Jesus to save those people if they would just believe, and they knew their job was to tell people. And they had done this, and the Holy Spirit empowered them to do so, and now Paul is ready to do it again. They're going out on a second missionary journey. So he and his companions, they set out for this second journey to tell people about the love of God, the Son of God who gave his life to save them from sin, and about the Holy Spirit who was given as a guarantee of salvation. The first stop was in two places that they had already shared the gospel in and planted some churches. Now before them was this great area that, um, that they had not um, been in yet, that they hadn't shared the gospel in yet. An area where, where, where full of people that God loved and that needed to, to hear about Jesus. And so Paul's like, all right, you guys, you ready? Let's go in. Let's, let's go into this region of Asia. All right, now this is in what's modern-day Turkey. Uh, we'll call it Asia Minor now. He said, let's go into this area, this region of Asia. And it says that the Holy Spirit forbid them from preaching in the region of Asia. So they continue their travels. They move on a little further in this area of modern-day Turkey. They come to an area called Mysia. And they go over there, and it's like, okay, if we go left, we go into Mysia. If we go right, there's Bithynia. Nobody's heard about Jesus in Bithynia. Let's go into Bithynia. And the Bible tells us that the, that the Spirit of Jesus would not let them enter. And then we're told that Paul has the vision that he and his team are supposed to go to Macedonia, which is not on this map that I've given you. It's... Um, off further off this way, and um, he, uh, he gets this vision of a man from Macedonia and say, come help us. And so he's like, okay, the Spirit is leading us to go to Macedonia. It's such an intriguing scripture. I mean, why would the Holy Spirit forbid them from sharing the gospel in the region of Asia? Why would the Spirit of Jesus not allow them to go into Mysia or into Bithynia? And because, I mean, we know that God wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. That's what um, 1 Timothy 2.4 tells us. So why not allow these missionaries to go into these areas? Well, we're not told specifically why, but a possible answer uh, I think is found in another interesting scripture. In the very first book of Peter's epistle, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the to those who are elect exiles in the dispersions in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. I mean, two of the places that they tried to go into and weren't allowed to, Peter's addressing them. It's, it's, it's interesting to me because uh, could it be that the answer to why the Spirit prevented Paul from going into these places was because that God in His wisdom knew that Paul would not be the best voice of the gospel at that time in that place. That, that Peter, that impulsive Peter with his personality might be better suited to preach the gospel to people there. I think that's a, a real possibility. Um, whatever the answer is to the question, I'm certain that God in his wisdom has a reason for preventing Paul from entering into those places. And you can be certain that Paul had a, as just as Paul has a, that God has a specific reason for Paul, that God's got a specific reason and purpose for you. Like you might be uniquely suited to communicate the truth of God's gospel to somebody. M much better than me in some places. 
Because God's got a very specific purpose and plan for you. He has you in places where you can build relationships, establish trust, so that you can speak the truth that can change somebody's forever. Don't discount yourself because you haven't been, uh, you know, fully trained in all that's in the Scriptures. Um, God can use you just as you are. Just be available. So the Spirit prevents them. We're not told why the Spirit prevented them from entering into these areas, nor are we told how they knew that they were not supposed to go into these places. And that's what I really want to talk to us about today. Learning how to determine when the Holy Spirit is leading you, learning how to tell when the Spirit is speaking to you. Now, this is a really broad, so I'm just going to get started on it today, and we'll let it, this unfold over the years to come, if you stick with us. Um, but, um, but the Spirit will lead. In Matthew 4.1, it says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Jesus is following the lead of the Spirit. In Acts chapter 20, Paul testifies. He says in verse 22, And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit. It's like the Spirit is like, you can only, you have to go here. I'm, 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 the, the, the Spirit has got me hemmed in. And this is my one option. He says, And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. Paul knew deep down in his soul what God's plan was for him, and the Spirit bound him in that direction and warned him of troubles to come. In Acts chapter 8, Philip, uh, God directs Philip to share the gospel with an Ethiopian eunuch as he was riding home in his chariot. In Acts 8.29, it says, And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. Peter, as he's telling uh, the Jerusalem church, the story of how he saw Gentiles being saved in Acts eleven twelve. He says, and the Spirit told me to go to them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied, and we entered the man's house. The Spirit told me. I love Galatians five twenty five. Says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Today, I want to examine how do you determine when the Holy Spirit is speaking, leading, or guiding you. And, and there are some principles to help you keep in step with the Spirit. I mean, here's, here's a question to consider. Is there a difference between the inner promptings of the Spirit and what most people call intuition? I mean, look, people who don't claim to be Christians will talk about having an intuition. Is there a difference? I, I think there is. And if there is a difference, what is it? Now, these are important questions to search out because um, what we don't want to do is we don't want to spiritualize every whim that crosses our minds. On the flip side, we also don't want to, um, you know, they use that, that term, throw the baby out with the bathwater, that because we see other people spiritualizing every little thought that comes across their mind, that we're like, oh, okay, wait, I don't want to do that. And so we just... We just ignore the inner promptings of the Spirit, and we only associate with the Spirit kind of in academic and cerebral ways. And the Spirit never gets to lead you because you're trying not to be those other people. I, I, I really wish that I could package this topic up for you in three neat, uh, three, a three-step process, really neat and compact, um, but I just can't. Because try as you may, you really cannot systematize the Holy Spirit. I mean, Jesus says in, in John chapter 3, 
uh, he likens the Spirit to the wind. John 3, 8. Jesus says, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. See, look, we cannot catch the wind and put it in a box. We cannot cause the wind to blow. I mean, how many times I've been out there mowing hot, and I'm like, oh, there will only be a breeze. You just can't make it happen. Um, you, can't, you can't cause the wind to blow, nor can you stop it from blowing. So it is with the Spirit. The best that I can do is show you some things that are true, which can help you relate to the Spirit and truth rather than error. And the first truth you need to know is the importance of God's Word in learning to follow the lead of the Holy Spirit in your life. You say, what do you mean? Well, the reason that Scripture is so important is because it's because of the very nature of God. The Bible tells us that God does not change. The fancy word for that is that God is immutable. This truth about God, it's probably one of the most important truths about God that most people rarely give a thought to. Micah 3.6 says, For I, the Lord, do not change, therefore, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. See, God does not change. And he never has a reason to change his mind. Do you know why God doesn't have a reason to change his mind? It's because God knows everything. God knows all things. There is no information that God is unaware of. When, when you and I change our minds, it's... Uh, it's usually because we've learned something that we did not know prior. Like, like I've just come into new information. And so uh, I need to change my mind. Uh, we think in light of this new information, it's better for me to do such and such rather than what I was planning to do. But since God knows all things, He never comes across new information. Uh, someone once asked, and I just giggle at this. He says, has it ever occurred to you that nothing's ever occurred to God? It, it's, it, this is a really big deal that God never changes or has a reason to change. He knows all things. Uh, uh, we don't appreciate it, but we should. Because, like, imagine if God could change his mind. Like, what if he changed his mind about you? Today he loves you. And tomorrow he's like, ah, you know what? I don't think I want to love them anymore. What if God changed his mind on salvation? He says, you know, I sent my son Jesus. He died on the cross to save you from your sin. For by grace you've been saved through faith. Like, like I got all these people believing in Jesus and say, you know what? I think I want to do something else now. Like that would be incredibly tragic. But God doesn't change. So we can rest in his promises about salvation. What if God could change his nature? I mean, we sing about God being a good, good father. That, that he's good and he's loving. What if he could change and say, you know what? I'm going to be vindictive and evil. He's all-powerful and vindictive and evil. And we are helpless with that. Like, we don't think about the fact that God never changes as being important, but it's, it's so foundational. And because that is who He is, since God doesn't need to change His mind, um, then here's what we can be confident about with the Spirit leading us from within. If God doesn't have to change His mind and he's revealed his heart and his mind to us here, then when the Spirit leads you, it's going to be in keeping with the heart and mind of God that does not change. Like, 
This is very tangible, very black and white, not subjective, which is the problem that most of us have when following the Spirit. It's just so subjective. We're like, I'm not sure what to do with that feeling. Is that the Spirit? Is that my own intuition? Is it my mind? Like, look, since God does not change His mind, then the Spirit will not lead you in something that is not in keeping with what God's already spoken in His Word. So God will not say in His Word that adultery is wrong, and then have his spirit lead you in cheating on your spouse. It's just not going to happen. God will not say in his word that you need to forgive, and then his spirit will lead you into holding a grudge. And if, you know, whatever the sin might be, whatever the unforgiveness or grudge, just know that that's not in line with what God is leading you to, to do and live like. Jesus says in Matthew five seventeen. Uh, He says, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Jesus is telling us that God's word does not change and that that he came to fulfill it, not change it. And the reason that God's word does not change is because God himself does not change. So as you're learning to follow the Spirit's lead in your own life, you can be sure that the Spirit will not lead you in ways that are counter to the heart and mind of God. And and that's one of the other things too. This is why it, it takes a lifetime to search out God's Scriptures. Because on the surface, you find commandments and you, you see rules and regulations. But But God didn't give us rules and regulations to establish a an orderly society for us. It goes much deeper than that. I mean, he really wants to communicate his heart to us. And so you find things that it's like, okay, there's these Old Testament laws, but Jesus fulfills them. And that, you know, I don't want to get locked into legalism as I search out the scriptures to discover God's heart and mind. And so, um, so what this is an invitation to is to like become a lifetime, a lifelong student of God's word. God put his heart and mind in black and white for us as a a place to constantly reference who he is, what he's about, for us to study, for us to memorize. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Renew your mind with God's holy word. And the more you do that, the more you'll be able to discern what is from the Spirit of God, and what is your brain just doing crazy things because maybe you ate too much grease and cheese? I mean, has that ever happened to you? Like where your mind just comes up with some weird and wild things? Am I the only one who's got... The only one. Whatever, I've, I've, had, I've sat and ate with you. I'm, I've heard some strange things come out from over there. You ever wake up from a crazy dream? And you're just like, golly. It's like my, it's like my subconscious was, was doing spring cleaning and preparing for a garage sale. And it was pulling up things and memories that haven't been accessed in decades. And you're like, where did that come from? We all have strange things that run through our minds. But we don't need to spiritualize those things. And it's not just the crazy thoughts that we don't want to spiritualize. Sometimes we are, we have, we're very rational. Our thoughts are very rational and thought out, but those rational thoughts are not in keeping with the heart and mind of God. 
Anyone who wants to have a spirit-led life needs to keep God's word as the essential guide. And I, and I delight as our nine o'clock Bible study time continues to grow. And I hope to see that continue to grow. And let me put this out as an invitation. Come, fill up a class. Cause me and Paul to have to create new classes so people can study the Word of God together. But what about when the, the leading of the Spirit is not as black and white as the Word of God? Like, like when Paul knew that he was not supposed to go into Bithynia, but he was supposed to go on to Macedonia. Like, because the Word of God says, go into all the world. How do you know when there's a specific there? I want to show you a truth that helps me um, kind of deal with the things that are a little more specific. It's a truth that helps me, uh, and th this truth is that, that there is just one Holy Spirit. It's not a complicated truth. It's not uh, a deep truth, but it's significant. Ephesians 4 I'm going to start in verse 1. He says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you are called to the one hope that, belo that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all in all. See, when you look at this passage, the Apostle Paul is talking to the church about having unity within the church. He tells them to walk in a manner worthy of the calling that they have in Jesus. And that involves humility, gentleness, patience, and love toward one another. He tells them to be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That's because the Holy Spirit, that because of the Holy Spirit, there can and there should be unity in the church because, verse 4, there's one Spirit. There's only one Holy Spirit. It's a simple truth, but its implications are incredibly valuable. See, the same Holy Spirit that God gave to me is the exact same Holy Spirit that He gave to you. It's not as though that God gives a pastor, a special Holy Spirit, and everybody else gets the standard one. It's, it's not as though that, that, that men get the macho version of the Holy Spirit and the women get the feminine version. Like, it's one Holy Spirit. There's, there's one Holy Spirit. You've got the same Holy Spirit in you that was in the Apostle Paul. You've got, you've got the same Holy Spirit that was in... Um, St. Augustine of Hippo and all the wise things that he was able to, to help us understand. You've got the same Holy Spirit as Martin Luther, the starter of the Protestant Reformation. You've got the same Holy Spirit as Martin Luther King Jr. You've got the same Holy Spirit that was in Billy Graham. It's the same Holy Spirit and it's in every heart, every heart in here today that has believed in Jesus as Savior and received Him as Lord. This is really important in the life of a church, especially when the church is collectively seeking to follow the lead of the Spirit and walk in the will of God. Uh, imagine you're reading the Bible and praying, and you've got a thought that you think is from the Holy Spirit of God. And you share this thought with other followers of Jesus who've been given the exact same Holy Spirit, 
And you share this thought with these followers of Jesus who's got the Holy Spirit. Those Christians, they, they listen to the direction that you believe came from God, but instead of saying amen, they look at you like a bad smell just came across their face. They're like, how about that? And in the most gentle way they can, they question the wisdom of what you're thinking. If, if you have a thought or idea that you believe is from God and other believers who have the same Holy Spirit are not in agreement, that should be a signal to you to hold up a bit. Keep praying, keep seeking. If you've got a thought or idea that you believe is from God and others think differently, you've got one or two choices at that point. Number one, you can either in humility um, question if you really heard from God clearly. And there's been many a times where it's like, I've heard from God, but I only heard half of it because I got too excited and I ran off into action, but God had more to say. So you can in humility say, you know what, maybe I didn't get it all or maybe I got it wrong. Your other option, your second option, is you can assume that you are the only person in that conversation who has a connection with God. You're the only one who hears from God. You're the only one who gets it right. And everybody else is either stupid, lost in their sin, or worse, they're just wicked and evil and they're against you following the will of God. I was, uh, I'm told that before I became pastor here, um, this church had a, a moment like that. There was, there was an individual and he had, he had a vision that God told him who the next pastor was going to be. And so he shared that with his life group, and he shared that with um, the search team and with the other leadership, and the search team listened to him, and they, they actually interviewed the guy that they thought was going to be the next, that, that he said was there. And as they interviewed him and prayed about it, that search team said, mm, that's not, we're not in agreement. Well, so now there's, this, there's a disconnect. One person is sure, and you got another group that's not. One individual is sure that God said, another group has the opposite understanding. And as the story unfolds, what I'm told is that rather in humility admit that they might have gotten it wrong, the individual doubled down on the notion that he was right, which meant that everybody else was wrong, or stupid, or worse. And the person ends up leaving the church and influencing others to do the same. This happened in the history. Some of you guys, you like, it's fresh. You've, you lived it. Some of you, I'm like, this is part of what, what happened here. Um, the, the unity of the Spirit, it's important. Not to just like keep in unity within the church body, but when you have those moments to say, you know what, let's, let me just take a moment of humility and say, maybe I'm not the one that's right here. Yeah, it's also important in um, interpreting Scripture. I remember once upon a time ago, I was reading the Bible and I came across a passage and I thought I understood the right interpretation and application of the Scripture. And so I shared my thoughts with this group of men in the church and they all looked at me like I just was pouring them a glass of sour milk, you know, with the chunks coming out, and they're just like, oh, what are like, I just, I'm sharing an intellectual thought, and you're looking at me like, like, it was nasty. And so at that moment, I, uh, 
I, I had a choice. Either I could puff up with pride and act as though I'm the only intelligent person in that room who can understand the Scripture and follow the Spirit, or my other choice was in humility say, you know what, let me relook at this. Let me re-examine what the Scripture's saying here. The, maybe the Holy Spirit's going to try, maybe the Holy Spirit is speaking through there, foul looks at me in a manner that's meant to correct me in something that I was misguided on. See, the, the unity of the Holy Spirit, it makes for better reading and understanding of the Bible. It, it is good and spiritually healthy to study the Bible with other believers. A lot of people think that biblical scholarship happens best in isolation. It really happens best in the context of community. Like, if you go and you study cults, one of the many things that cults have in common is the founding leader had a special vision or revelation while he was alone in a cave or under a tree somewhere, and he's the only one who got this special knowledge from God. When you're isolated, you've got no filter for the crazy other than your own mind, which just conjured up the crazy. When you gather with other believers, you have the collective ministry of the Spirit to help. So growing in God's Word is essential and learning to trust the Holy Spirit. Like it's, it's essential to learning to trust the Holy Spirit and learning to trust the Holy Spirit in others as well as in yourself. It, and that helps you relate to the Spirit in truth. I'll say uh, one more thing about listening to the inner promptings of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Kings 19, we got this fascinating story with Elijah, starting in verse 11. It says, And he said, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, Elijah, what are you doing here? The Spirit's promptings are generally soft and gentle. So learning to follow the Spirit's lead in your life, it's a relationship that you develop, not a skill that you master. You're, you're meant to grow in this. Remember that when, you're, that when you're not sure if something is from the Spirit, then tread softly. Don't claim or presume that the Spirit's leading is something that, that, that clearly contradicts Scripture. And, and if you are confident that it is of God and it's in alignment with God's Word, um, then that's an that's a area that you stand firm in. But if all of a sudden you're like, you're getting feedback, you're like, just tread softly. But there are times when you need to stand firm. Jesus tells us that the Spirit is sent by God as a helper, but He's not sent to help us live for ourselves. He's sent to help us live for God which means that the Spirit is much more likely to speak to you about things that pertain to the kingdom of God. A, a lot of us look for the Spirit to help us decide between do I buy the, the, the dishwasher made by GE or the one made by Maytag? Really, the Holy Spirit is going to prompt you on the things more on my God. Like say, like, hey, you need to call so-and-so. And all of a sudden, that, that person is just in your heart. Go 
Go speak to that person. Go, go be intentional about sharing the story of a God who loves them greatly and went to great lengths and sent his son to die for them. You need to give. You need to go and serve. Like God will give you that, that inner prompting. And it's, gently, and it's a gentle speaking. But it's generally going to be about the things that are about the things that God wants to do and accomplish in the world rather than more so than just making your life convenient and comfortable. And finally, Jesus tells us that the Spirit is like the wind. You cannot make the wind blow, neither can you make the Spirit speak. Like, He, he just moves as He decides to move. All right? And so sometimes you might be asking a very direct question, and He's just not going to answer. And that happens. And that's good, and that's right, and that's to be expected. Um, so don't let that discourage you. You know, now, since we're in an unprecedented time, I mean, uh, like, never had to give leadership during a pandemic. Never seen some of the things that I've seen going on in this past week. Like, I think it's really important that we, as followers of Jesus... lean in closely to what the Spirit might be leading us to do. Like, like I don't know what the future is going to hold, but I do know that if it's significant, that, that God's people have got to become, have got to be at the forefront of what God's wanting to do in this time. And that might be helping people. Um, we might need to lead the way in all sorts of things. And if well, that's going to be the case, like, It'd be much better to have the Spirit's lead versus our own whims and thoughts. And as we come together and we're like, hey, I think God's leading our church to do this. Well, if it's true, it'll, he'll validate it in a lot of our hearts. Um, and if not, we'll go, I don't know about that. And if we have a disconnect, let's just say, you know what? Maybe one or even both of us don't have it right. Right? Humility is so important. God says... Uh, he gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. So, Father God, just pray now. And, God, I know there's so much more to say about listening to you and probably a lot of questions um, that I don't have space to begin to answer. But, God, I do pray that, um, that, especially even now, that we can become more sensitive to your Spirit. God, that, that, that in, a, in a desire to be more sensitive to your spirit, that we will um, we'll devote ourselves to your word. Learning your heart and mind, being reminded of what you've already spoken to us. And it does not change because you do not change. Father, I just pray that, that your people... that you would use them to speak truth in these uh, new and developing troubled times. And Father God, thank you that, that in your word we can be certain that you love us, that you have a plan for us, and God, that... Um, that your spirit is in our lives 
guaranteeing what is to come. And so we need not fear. We need not panic. So Father, in these next moments, have your way with us. And I pray these things in the name of your son Jesus. Amen.